<laughs> okay. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another The Paranormal Guide podcast. <laughs> Brett's already laughing heartily across the table from me. Um, well, I'll just introduce you, Brett. Woohoo. This is a terrible introduction. Anyway, <laughs> I'm your host, Ashley Hall. Joining me, Brett. Spills. And Spills, um, good good friends. We're, we're, we're a trilogy of mates and paranormal investigators that like to discuss any kind of paranormal topics that come across our news feeds or any of the questions you guys ask of us. Before we get into this episode, Spills. Yes. You alluded in the car <laughs> on the way here that you've been getting into a new activity. I don't know what you're talking about, but, but, you, but you said, yeah, what, what have you been up to? I have the biggest addiction of... It's an iPhone app. I thought I was, I was um, expecting you to say crystal meth. <laughs> no. no, not today. Yahtzee. Yahtzee? Yahtzee. What? As in Yahtzee. five dice and a yep. dice cup? Yep. Getting Yahtzee. It's called Yahtzee for buddies. And you just play <laughs> with heaps of people and you level up and you do all this shit. It's fucking insane. Wait a minute, it's Yahtzee for in, buddies. In, game, in, in app purchases? <clears throat> yep. So it's more expensive than crystal meth anyway. No, but I don't use in app purchases. <laughs> Yahtzee, transactions. I'm, I'm so addicted to it. So, so does, does it differ Yahtzee from the board game a, version? or like the, It's identical. Do you shake your phone to shake no, your dice? No, no. You just that's bullshit, man. If that you do a great. dice rolling, if you have a dice rolling game, if you can't shake your phone to shake the dice, that's terrible. I'm, I'm not impressed <laughs> at all. <laughs> so so you saying this like you're expecting us to be impressed? Not like, at all. Brett, I wouldn't throw stones if I were you. You're sitting across from me wearing a scarf. It is a very manly <laughs> scarf, though. I should. It's not even cold in here, to no, be honest. Not. But you're cradling your. Rainforest friendly approval. Your face is turning purple. Maybe he's getting <laughs> sick. You were kind of a bit Actually, crook last you know time. I've been crook this last week. You know, I'm going to get the jumping I have, I have been um, getting. Yeah, you know, I've been feeling really cold tonight, even though it's not that cold out. So I think that's why. Twenty four hour projectile Ebola. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Uh, well, have you been up to anything exciting? So Spills has been addicted to rolling Yahtzee. dice games. Do you get many Yahtzees? Heaps. Really? What have you been up to? Oh. <laughs> See, now <laughs> I want to know that, what's the statistical chance of getting a Yahtzee in general and does it ac- is it actually an accurate... Of course app? it's accurate. Well, I don't know. You're the one that's good at maths. What? Okay, so... <laughs> <I'm terrible. laughs> this really isn't a, a legitimate addiction. Right, <laughs> Stay man. tuned for our next episode, The Intervention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. What's been going on in, in your world in the last week and a half? Oh, nothing of great excitement, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, well, there's stuff of great excitement that I wouldn't be able to share. Way too, <laughs> way too explicit for you guys to know about. Oh, okay. I did get pissed on. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> continue. Come on, I'll cut it out. Like, it's inappropriate. If it's inappropriate, I'll cut it out. <laughs> go, on, go on. It was after the Seether concert, but that was all right. After the what? Seether concert. I went to the Seether the other day. Seether. Seether. Yeah, remember Seether. that old band, Seether? Never heard of them. Yeah. Is it like two Rock words? Seether? No. Seether. Yeah. S E E T H E R. Oh, like old metal style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And you got, got tanked. Here you go. Here's a, that's Seether. Well, that's awesome. Why wouldn't you? Okay. So this is from a, a colleague at work. He sent me this photo of him and his wife and some dude chilling backstage at the Seether concert with Sean Morgan. Awesome <laughs> night. This is my response. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would have been in the same room just straight off. Okay. But what happened, and, and, and then we, later on that night, we get um, bombarded. No, 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 it was, by... no, it was a different night. <laughs> you just got into our private group where we discussed on the podcast just bombarding us yeah. with it, alcoholic nonsense. I don't even really know. That was like at about three in the morning. Too. It was. was it really that late? I think so. And the last message Brett writes is, man, I'm glad this ain't public. <laughs> Perhaps we should cut that. No, we won't. It'll <laughs> yeah, be the display say, picture should, for should, this podcast. Let's do it. Some of the nonsense Brett posts in our group when he's drunk. 
I, I can vaguely recall some of the... I, I remember some of the thoughts I was having, I think, amongst my... When the first message I was trying to send. <laughs> Certainly, it'll, it'll end up being cut from this podcast. <laughs> I think that, so that's been your week, drunk and disorderly. Yeah, drunk and disorderly. <laughs> my wife just sends me a screenshot. Sorry, I'm, this is going, while this these is guys going. are talking, I'm on my phone. Just podcasting See, on places. <laughs> we, we've got about well, a bit of material so far. My wife is addicted to Yahtzee. <laughs> <laughs> no. She just sends me a screenshot. You won. And she, it's of her score. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. um, myself. Uh, so, for a while there, when I moved into my my current abode, around the corner there's kind of like this old hunchbacked old man gets around on this bicycle and he's really creepy and every time I've walked past his house, I've wondered, you know, what's going on there? He's like, kind of like this shady character and just recently that house has come up on the market because he's passed away. I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to see... I just want to see a bit more about this guy's life because I was really intrigued by him because it was just this interesting character and... Was that like an open day? No, I was just going to go in. We were talking about trespassing last week. (laughs) (laughs) So we could lead lead by example. So anyway, so I I walk around the corner, get to the front, and the thing's already demolished. They do not mess around these days with houses. Like if someone's gone, boom. Within two days, this decrepit old house, that thing is gone. So I was highly disappointed. I thought I was going to get to the... Crazy. You know, get to, to sate some of my interest lust. Two days? That's very, very quick. Yeah. Maybe that was a cover-up. It's almost like they knew. They knew some, some, somebody was going to go in there. But I'm not the only one that's been trespassing and going to places that without permission recently out in the world of the paranormal... We're getting into the show proper now, guys. Recently, some paranormal investigators or ghost hunters or urban explorers, I don't know what you want to call them, decided to check out an old abandoned hospital in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Now, remember, guys, we are talking last week about going into places and some of the bad things that can happen. Yeah, you know, you could get yourself hurt. Um, you can get in trouble with the police or all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, you can meet other people that might have bad intentions towards you well these guys have basically given us another dot point to add to that list of things you don't want to find in a haunted location because as they're walking around they came across the bloody and deceased body of an elderly lady so they're in a location that they should not have been in for all intents and purposes they're looking around they come across a deceased old lady i actually didn't read this story (laughs) i I thought i did it's all good. No, no, I just keep talking. <laughs> I, thought, I just thought he was playing Yahtzee. Spills <laughs> <laughs> is catching up to the program currently. And we see him shaking it. Oh, no, he won't be shaking his phone. It's a damn dice game. doesn't work like that for some reason. But anyway, so these guys are in there. They've stumbled across some, uh, a deceased body. And of course, what are you going to do? They're now you're stuck in a situation like anything. What do we do? Do we pretend we weren't here? Or do we approach the police and tell them they did the right thing? They went to the police to inform them of this deceased person. Guys, you've read the story. Yep. Comments. What do you think? Situation. Well, I think morally they have to say something. <laughs> you can't just... No, no, it's, it's not so much about that, but... I get, okay, what, what, what about if you're in the same situation? Like we've, we've gone into locations, right? Mm-hmm. With permission on it, doesn't matter. Think people, these old abandoned locations, all sorts of things can be hidden them out there you come across a location and you find a dead body this is lo- and that's for for the sake of argument you weren't meant to be in this location what's your what's your reaction put down some k2 meters and see <laughs> what responses you get oh wow really <laughs> yeah okay I, you know what i'm not going to answer that truthfully <laughs> but what i am going to say is that it, it opens my curiosity as to whether you'd be more likely to get some responses or anything like that at such a time. Personally. You'd, yeah, you need to go and report, obviously. Yeah, you're going to have to. Maybe, I'm gonna make, maybe I'm, investigate I'm, while you're waiting for the authorities yeah. to get there. Yeah. So about the cell phone call. My, my, my point is that there, it'd be interesting. Not that you would <clears> do that. Not that you, um, you know, you, that you would start, you know, putting in a... 
circle of K2 metres and some tri-fields down on the poor old lady or whatever it might be. But you're not going to do that, but it'd just be interesting to Is see. It, yeah, look, I've often thought, wouldn't it be interesting if you investigated at the time of someone's death with voice recorders, EMF... Tri-field set up just You know, just to see if you... Um, yeah. But, again, um, I think... <laughs> Easy. It not exactly easy to, That's <laughs> to make that situation happen. So well, what's interesting, the police are called in, and this is where it kind of gets a little bit more scary. And in the immediate area, like the local area, they found two guys in a stolen car who turned out to be... When I read this, they weren't charged with the crime, but they did admit to, to abducting the lady. So they, they were saying they had broken into a house to to rob her, then they eventually abducted her, and they're saying they left her on the side of the road next to this asylum. Now, the way she's been killed is bludgeoned in the head. There's a big bloody drag mark, dragging her from outside to inside. So what's also scary is, if these are the guys that did this this murder, they're still in the location. God knows what could have happened to, you know, if these um, ghost hunters, that's the term that was used in this um, news story, (coughs) had gone in there while they're still... In the middle of uh, hot disposing of the body or in the act of murder Then, then they could potentially be in a lot of trouble themselves. And so, you know what, realistically, if you came across that, that's going to be your first concern when, you know, if, if it's, <clears throat> unless it's, you know, obviously not a fresh body, you'd be concerned about, well, do I need to get out of here now for safety reasons? Yeah. And, and, and it was interesting, like, they went straight to the police, whereas a lot of people might have gone, no, you know, we're not meant to be in this location. Don't I don't want to know about it. Yeah, and, and there might be people that might go, well, shit, this is a chance of a lifetime. We've got a deceased body but there. what if, okay, so with that example, Ash, what if you're in that location and you go, fuck this, let's get out of here. We don't want anything to do with this. You leave. The police then, or someone else then later discovers the body, and then they find DNA fibres, whatever, that belong to you near or on the body. Mm. And then you'll potentially become a suspect. Now, you lost a beanie a while back, didn't you? (laughs) Yes, I did, in a seedy location. I I carry it around with me at all times on all investigations just in case that situation arises. (laughs) Dropping at Ash's beanie. (laughs) (laughs) There he is, busted red-handed, beanie found on the location of the crime. Have you guys been in a situation where this is a pretty random question but have you guys ever been in a situation where you've discovered a body no. out like around location I'm, I'm not expecting there to be too many yeses when you ask a question like this but being in a, a, or in a situation where a location that you've been visiting has been as later or later on you found out was being used for criminal activities or you were going to a location where if your timing was wrong you could have been in a lot of shit. Maybe similar type oh, of situation. I could, we've been out, Ash, urban exploring. You were there as well, bro. Um, and it was a pretty seedy, abandoned location. We would just say it is west of Adelaide. Is it out west? Yeah. Yeah, west. Close enough. Yep. Um, where, you know, there were people coming in and out of this location, <laughs> doing drug deals... Uh, we stumbled across a homeless person that lived there. You stumbled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that sort of situation, and and the, you're right, there was that uneasy. You you didn't know what to expect. So, as far as specific situations, you know, I've, I've seen, so, you know, someone die from an, you know, in front of me from a, just falling over. Okay. Literally, um, but you know, I was. They're pretty young at the time, so and it was before any of the. You know, my first thought wasn't okay. Let's try and investigate this or anything. It was well before any any thoughts of that would have come along. So, uh, but since since it being into investigations, I can't think of anything specifically. Uh, you know, everywhere you go, you're technically looking for a place that something has happened. Mm. And then that links into some of the ethics of, you know, how soon, we've discussed before, how soon after something's happened is it potentially right to go looking. Yeah. Which is an interesting conversation in itself. Well, actually, I read a comment, and I can't remember where it was. It might have actually, I don't know whether it was in a, a thread or on a forum or it was on the internet somewhere. And someone said, there's no point investigating early 
because the spirit isn't yes. available to communicate for three to six months. <laughs> so yeah. is, 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 it, is it on going to university? <laughs> some people have all the answers. They know yeah, everything. It, I just read it and I thought, how, how do you know that? You know what I mean? It was quite... Yeah. Do you think that there's obviously never a situation where, or a time where you're in a situation like that where you find a body on location where investigating it's going to be considered ethical or morally right but that's like a, and I'm not advocating do this but but we've got to discuss every aspect or something yeah, so look if it makes you if you guys think we're sickos just for discussing it well there's something wrong with you because discussion is when knowledge is born would there be a benefit do you think you've come across a location an old hospital mm-hmm. not possibly an old mental site anything like that and you've come across someone who's probably dead within hours of you coming across them. But do you think there would be a benefit to running an investigation at that stage? Within, you know, within hours? You know what? You, you don't know until, until you've actually tried something like that. And my, my first thought is that even if uh, most people had the opportunity to do so, they'd fucking blow any chance of making or getting any useful data <clears throat> out of that because of current investigation techniques and <laughs> technologies. The way people do things, I think that it would be a, a wasted opportunity. Is there information to get from that? I think so. But we're not at that stage to be able to do that in a competent manner. So just going out of this body and busting out the ghost box and seeing down a K2, it's not going to get you anything meaningful and basically you've tainted a crime scene for absolutely no reason yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and, and dropped your DNA and there. And you'd probably become time. an accessory. Absolutely. You know, you could even become a, a prime suspect. Uh, myself. Uh, uh, hey, you know, but you, you know what? If anyone knows whore, whore, I don't know if you should go there. People that <laughs> Did do... you just say whore? Whore. <laughs> 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 Possibly. Okay. Could, Freudian slip. Um... I'd love to uh, speak to someone that does uh, the trauma scene cleanups and see if they'd be willing to take a few uh, K2s out, put an audio recorder down during cleanup. We actually discussed this not oh, probably a few weeks ago, having someone come in as part of the podcast who cleans up crime scenes. And interviewing them on the podcast or having them a part well, of the discussion. There, there's actually two so, parts to it. You have to understand the first part in the cleaning up of the crime scene. Well, the, pe- the people that go in and clean up afterwards, they get paid really, really good money. Yeah. There's not... Well, whilst they're cleaning up blood and stuff, they're not going to be cleaning up the guts. They're not going to be... They won't generally have much of that to deal with because the yeah. coroner... They're taking take care it. of stains and the lingering yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. The coroner... That, I mean... You know, picking up that would be the worst part, or you know, of that process. But then you've got the people, the private contractors, come in and clean, and they do a sensational. Job. I think we've got more chance of getting a private contractor in here that cleans crime scenes mm. than the coroner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get that. We get a coroner in. Why not? But getting them to talk about it on a level about the paranormal is a different thing. A lot of them, won't, you know, science minds won't touch that, but. It brings up an interesting thing when my father passed away a couple of years ago. The Undertaker or whoever it was that looks after the body. We call them Undertakers here as well? Yeah, I guess we probably would Funeral do. director. Funeral director, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the person that basically picked up the body from the hospice and looked after it for those, uh, I think it was about a week before the funeral. They they said something really interesting to my um, stepmom. They said, your husband's soul did not leave the, the area of his body for three days. And I just thought that was a really, yeah, really weird thing for a funeral director, etc., to say to someone. You know what? It, that's a very odd thing in Western culture. Mm. If you go and look again at different cultures, and we seem to be d- touching on that a number of times recently, um, people will believe that the, that the soul will stay with the body for a period of time. And so I would wonder, was that funeral director, do they have Eastern beliefs? And even if they, and if they do, I think it's kind of interesting that they would say something about yeah. that in Western society. It was just voluntarily said it wasn't like my stepmom had asked, oh, yeah, did yeah. you get anything weird in the funeral home or anything like that? It was just, just random, voluntarily brought up. But, but I'm going to go back to asking that que- answering that question on, have you ever come across a body? walk in places that you shouldn't have been. I'm going to say I came very, very close. 
Okay. Back when I was, I left high school early. I was a high school dropout. I went back to finish doing my high school. I did a bunch of other media studies in my early 20s, so 15 odd years ago. And to get to where I was studying, which is Hamilton Secondary College here in South Australia, I had to go near where the old Mitsubishi factory was. Yep. Um, I used to have to cross the railway lines there. And to get through there, we would have to go through this little kind of garden area or a little piece of um, scrub land next to all these old flats. And a lot of people dumped their rubbish there, so it already really, really stank. And we would go through this um, scrubby area of land and through a hole in the fence and then cross the drain lines. This is right next to where the drain was that ran along the foot of the old factory. But one day we're trying to come back from school... And we could see all the police tape and police cars everywhere. So we had to go around the long way to where my mate lived. And then we could see the Channel 10 News fan there, all these, all these other people there. And it turns out there was a bloody body in that scrub within a metre of where we were walking. Yeah. Wow, that's... We were probably smelling that body. We didn't realise because there was a lot of rubbish in that area. But, you know, we were walking right... She was basically in a storm drain just under where we were walking. And she was on the wrong side of the mesh, so it was foul play suspected. But it um, just goes to show that you can come across these kinds of things anyway. This was just walking to school, and, there's a, and she was probably been there for a week or more as well. So in the water of the storm drain. Crazy. So, so it goes to show that this stuff can happen, but having that happen in an old hospital when you're trespassing, looking for ghosts, is... That place is probably going to need to be demolished now. Because can you imagine the reputation it's oh, going to have? Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only is this place meant to be on about a, a murder, it's possibly taken place here, and if you're lucky, you might stumble across dead bodies. Well, and the last thing, you know what? The last thing you'd also want to do is kickstart an industry of the uh, the next level of ghost hunters, the people that will actually kidnap and kill someone as part of the scientific process. <laughs> That's taking it up a notch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. At the moment of death. That's taking it up about 10 notches. <laughs> 10 notches. Again, at least hold off until the equipment exists to do it right. We're not encouraging this. I don't, Actually, I don't know right. if Brett is. Are you encouraging us? Not really. <laughs> but if you got the data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the data. Um, speaking of other cultures. Yes. And beliefs. Uh, we, we touched... Was it last show or the show before where we were talking about the Chinese haunted house that turned out to be a brothel? And, and we discussed how a, a community's culture and superstitions can really come into the real world and really affect people's decision-making skills or get them or basically encourage them to act one way or another. Well, recently in Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, is that how you pronounce that? I can never, I'm not sure Kuala if I Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur? Yeah. Kuala Lumpur? Whatever. You said it right. All right. So, so basically, 4 a.m. next to a petrol station, a two-year-old child was seen sobbing, just staying there at the side of this petrol station crying. And very soon, a crowd of people came to check this out. Not to help this child out, mind you. This crowd built because there's an app out there called WhatsApp. Have you guys heard of this yeah. app? Yes, it's messaging. Yeah, it's messaging. It gets it around, see what's going on, etc. Well, the room started that this child with the red eyes from all the crying was a specific type of Malaysian ghost known as a toyol. So no one would go near wow. this child because this type of ghost is said to be able to bring bad luck. Thankfully, a truck driver who was traveling home along that road saw what was going on could see the child left alone crying. People tell him not to go near it. Look at the red eyes. That, that means this child's a toil. And the truck driver used his comments and said, no, those eyes are red because he's crying. And it turned out this child had just wandered away from the place he was staying while his mum was being held she was up. incarcerated. In, incarcerated yeah. for, for yeah. something. Strange. Yes, it's really... It, 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 what's very interesting about this story is how something so superstitious... <laughs> could affect someone's moral obligation to that extent where they would not help a child because they believed it was a, a ghost. Is there a line that people uh, perhaps almost use that as an excuse to not have to uh, do oh, look, things? Or do you think it's entirely just superstition-driven? <clears throat> and, and also there'd be hysteria. If there's a group gathering and people are saying, this is what it is, this is what it is, you start building that group hysteria. 
Now, the, the simple thing to do in that situation would have been to pick up a stone and throw it at the kid and see if it goes through. <laughs> if, a stone, oh, wow. if a stone goes through, yeah, yeah, if I can keep your distance. If, if it, it bounces off, hey, maybe it's actually a real bloody kid. Yeah, but I think I think part of the fear is, comes from the fact of what type of ghost this child was meant to be, a toy. So I've, uh, every now and then I'll write something called uh, Ghost Schools and Demons where I look at the different cultural ghosts and demons and things like that around the world and i have written about the toil and the toil is meant to be a the spirit or ghost of a child who was never born so uh obviously death while the uh, while the mother's pregnant and what happens is this spirit is entrapped through blood magic or black magic via a practitioner of these arts to be um to basically be bound to an object or to a person who will then be that um, toil's owner and then can get this ghost child to do its biddings. And this toil is meant to be look basically like a toddler about two years old, meant to be slightly greenish, partially decomposing, red eyes and vampiric fangs. So now all these people are seeing this child out in the crying, cold, crying yeah. red eyes, two-year-old toddler. It doesn't say whether this child was naked or not. Who knows? It probably doesn't really matter. Once you kind of got that idea in your head that if you go near this thing, you know, these things are meant to be utilized for via their masters for ma- malicious purposes to, to carry out their bidding. So no one wants to go near this child. But it was just very interesting that just something very simple as a superstition or a cultural ghost could get people to behave in such a way. Oh, it is, especially, you know, I wouldn't trust a two-year-old to do any bidding from carrying something <laughs> from this side of the room to the other. <laughs> Um, they don't tend to follow instructions too well. Um, but I think it is very interesting uh, superstition that they have, but that would I would be questioning out of all the people that gathered there, how many people would... Believe, is it just a belief? How many people think they've experienced some of these ghosts, demons in these different cultures? Because the, the superstition is so strong that in Western culture we may think it's... Silly. Mm. So why is it so strong? Is it purely from the word of mouth? Is it that they people are having experiences that they interpret as being a result of these things? What what fuels this superstition to this level is my yeah. question. Well, when I post up about Malaysian ghosts in particular, because I have a lot of people from Malaysia that follow the paranormal guide, they'll always say, yeah, we've heard about these things since we were a child. So it's basically ingrained from an early age. So these are kind of like the ghost stories the parents might tell their children. But if you think about it, say you're at home and you get a message from a friend that says, oh, let's go check out the local cemetery. It's meant to be haunted. Now, you're probably going to have a, you know, your interest is going to be peaked and go check it out. Let's say that same friend sends you a message saying there's a ghost of a crying child in the corner of this street. How much more of an interest is that going to develop quickly to get people out? Oh, that's not like, oh, we might see something at the cemetery. Yes, this is getting around saying okay, there's a what? ghost sitting here. But also, instead of people going and seeing something with a rational mind and then deciding this is what I am seeing, they are going in there with the, you know, they've already been told what it is going to be. So they're going there, and when they experience it, they experience it in a different way than with just their normal rational mind. So they're going there, and they, if they see that child, they're not seeing a child. They're seeing proof of what they were told was already there. So mm. if you look at it from that perspective, um, all it's doing is setting up an expectation and guiding what they really think. So that's why no one, it wouldn't, a lot of people wouldn't have crossed their mind that it was anything else. Yeah. Also, it's interesting, people going up to see if this is a child are being told by the rest of the group to stay away. Yeah. You know, some part of me, when when you're in a group situation and there's a big paranormal event going on, in a part of my mind thinks that a lot of people there probably know this isn't what people are believing it is, but they kind of don't want to ruin that, that kind of that momentary entertainment factor they're getting from it. So maybe a lot of people saying, don't go near it. Might not be thinking, no, might not necessarily think that you're going to get some bad luck. Maybe just going, we don't want you to ruin our validation by finding out what the true reason Actually, for this being here it's, is. It's interesting you say that because that, that phenomenon is also, you can find in the hypno, like stage hypnosis community. Yeah, out of all the people that end up hypnotized on stage, I can't remember what the percentage is, but there is always a percentage of people that at some point they wake, but they just keep going along with things because 
they don't want to... It's an expectation. Yeah, it's an expectation and they don't want to be seen as stopping or ruining what's happening. They don't want to stand out. Yeah. And then you could argue, but they're still hypnotised because they're still doing as suggested. So it's the same result, but it's the same same effect. Mm. But luckily in this situation, someone with some common sense came along, found it was a child, took, fed him, gave him some water and took him to the local police station. So, yeah, the, the kid was back there two and a half hours later at the police yeah. station, I understand, so it wasn't too long. I mean, it still would be traumatic for that poor kid. We don't know how long he was wandering that neighbourhood for before he got uh, to that what? location. There, it, you know what? In in some ways, there could be some good because uh, they're, they're, depending on the culture, sometimes people will ignore things that they see. And the fact that there was a group gathered is what perhaps drew attention to the truck driver. And so in some ways you could look at it that perhaps it was a good thing because it's what helped this kid get found, the fact that there was a crowd. Mm. It could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, definitely. How long can a child, two-year-old, by themselves Depends on the... Last out? Not long. It depends on the climate, depends on a lot of things, but it's not a a long time. You know what? It sounded like a horrible story, all these people standing there, but that may have saved the kid's life. So you know what? Look at it from a positive perspective. The kid's okay. The kid is okay. All right, another uh, news story that's been doing the rounds these last couple of weeks. New Jersey family flees home after terrifying threats from The Watcher. Now, I posted this up in the group. We've all had a chance to read it, but for you guys at home that are going to choose not to read the link that will have this story in it, Basically, a family have purchased a home for $1.3 million in Westfield, New Jersey. And before they've even moved in, they're getting these strange letters from The Watcher, who's basically... I don't know if they're really threatening. They're really kind of passive-aggressive, suggestive letters saying that they are watching this house, that their family has watched this house for generations, and they're alluding to something bad to come if this family was to stay there. They, they, you know, ask questions, like they leave these notes asking, who are the ones that are living in the front windows facing the street? Yeah. We'll find this out soon enough. And thanks for all the new young blood that you've brought into, you know, the house. And have you discovered what is within the walls? Really, really, really creepy stuff. And this family obviously does not want to live in this house. And they're trying to sue the previous homeowners for not um, disclosing. disclosing the yeah. fact because the previous homeowners had this exact same thing happen to them. They even went to the police and the police did investigate it for a while. So, thoughts? Look, when I initially read this article, I thought straight away, it's someone that's trying to get rid of the, the homeowner so they could eventually drive down the price and purchase the property. But the fact that, the, the I guess the one thing that jumped out at me was the fact that where the watcher within the letters had mentioned that their ancestors had been watching that same house. You know, so you're talking about father and grandfather allegedly watching this same property over the years and doing the same thing. That's what makes it really creepy and interesting. I've got no idea uh, who, what... I know you were saying, Ash that they'd run DNA tests on the, the letters and, yeah. and that sort of thing. They uh, found it, uh, the DNA, from a female. Yeah. And the DNA is not from either of the the women homeowners, so the previous ten, um, homeowners and the ones that are, have recently fled. What's, what's interesting about this is, um, so I did a bit more of a look into it. I did find another website which has this really kind of cool drag or timeline about this house in question. Awesome. So it's kind of, from what I gather, it was built in 1905. Um, then it was struck by lightning in the 1930s. But what's really interesting, and if what the watcher is saying is true, that his father and grandfather were watching the house, maybe other people in the past have fled from this house quickly too. Well, going by this timeline, from between about 1948 to 1955, the house was sold four times, each time for a dollar. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so yeah. it makes you wonder what's going on in this location to have that happen. That's a bargain. And then all this... Have you seen a photo of the house? It looks like mm-hmm. some stuff straight out of the Amityville horror. Yeah, and right. that's what some people are speculating. Is this house going to become the next Amityville? It's kind of got that... 
look to it, those kind of... It doesn't have the exact same windows, but it's kind of got that same yeah. roof structure. I don't know what they call that over there. It's got this ghost or it's got families fleeing. So now people are, of course, questioning, well, is this potentially a case of someone purchasing a house? Maybe like the Lutzes did when originally, the original Midview at home, and have created a story either to make money or to maybe get out the terms of the contract for the sale of the house. This also happened in England as well. This, and the Indian family moved into a house. They, all this um, stuff started suddenly happening. So then they ended up quickly selling the house. And the truth tend, ended up being was they bought this really expensive house in the hopes of turning it into a hotel and a place for um, weddings and that. When those um, permits for, to run those activities were bumped back, that's when this ghost story came out. Uh, so, yeah. so people speculating maybe there's something along those lines. Like this kind of comes out of nowhere. It's meant to have ha- been happening over these times. And yes, there's court records and all this for previous things, but there's a lot of speculation. I mean, it, it, it could be as simple as, you know, someone's uh, uh, just taking the piss. I tend to agree with Spills that it's uh, someone, uh, you know, that really just doesn't want someone in there, but maybe it is for the purpose of getting the price down. Mm. It, it, it's hard to know until we hear more of the story. Yeah. What, what's what's happening? You know, is there anything happening in the house? Has, you know, what's, been, what's in the walls? Well, has anyone had a look? Has anyone had, you know, I'd love to know the answer to that. I'd love to see what happens next and then make some informed judgment that's right because one of the letters mentions have you looked in the walls yeah. or something didn't what's they? in yeah. the walls there's yeah. a lot of really really weird stuff. Look, oh, um, you know young blood uh, it reads in part do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested once I know their names I'll call to them and draw them to me I ask the prior owners to bring me young blood you know, really really dark stuff have you found what's in the walls yet yeah, in time they will I'm pleased to know your names and the names now of the young blood you have brought to me okay let's, let's take a, an approach of if you were some very horrible evil dark person that you really uh, there was some some real something real paranormal going on here why the hell would you send these people letters yeah. there's no motivation to do that so my okay my question goes now to what can be the motivation to send people letters to terrorize them pure speculation but what if the house was used as a part of a ritualistic cult perhaps Mm -hmm. one of the owners was uh, associated with a cult or well okay Brett, you you're you've read a lot into the occult Mm -hmm. and things like that Okay, let's take this as not someone taking the piss, not a prank, but this is someone with with whatever motivations to, of a ritualistic nature. Is there anything in your readings that this could refer to in any kind of ritual or activity? To be honest, absolutely none. Uh, any um, contact I have ever had, people I've known, people I've known of, would not ever really go to those sort of uh, or take those actions there are other actions that they would take if they wanted people out of somewhere the uh, where this would be of interest is more of just using a psychological approach to terrorise them to get them out there is nothing more than that um, I certainly see no specific occult connection and I would be exceptionally surprised and willing to bet, bet 10 Mentos on it assuming that there's 10 mentos left is anyone here is anyone here half expecting to see um any of the big name ghost hunters now purchase said property to do a documentary on as has happened in the past with notoriously haunted or demon houses you know could this could this all just be a big wind-up for i think i was discussing with spills the car this whole charlie charlie um challenge that's going around with the pencils and um talking to the dead turned out just to be a big viral campaign What's the chance this could be like the new or mid? You know what? It, it could be. What if they're filming a movie in there right now? This is all, all part. Well, they're filmed in it. In this is all part of that. Yeah. Um, but what's what the end? The end result is that it's going to be more and more questions behind everything that's put out there, as, as people's uh, fears are exploited in different ways by Hollywood and you know whoever. Uh, it's not just you know putting out a movie trailer anymore. It's finding ways to try and bring people into the experience, to try and 
play with their psychology, get them scared, get them involved. Well, Theft of Blair Witch was the first movie that did that. They set up a, a heap of <coughs> um, fake information or articles. They set up a heap of articles Full throughout documentaries. the yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, throughout the internet. And then when people were going and watching The Blair Witch, they'd go home and Google it, and they were actually finding information about this, which then in turn validated to them validated that the Blair Witch was yeah. actually true. Which I think is a really? really interesting way to go about things. But as Hollywood begins to do that more, as therefore society perhaps begins to do that more, and maybe then we'd start seeing more and more paranormal teams fabricating evidence, yeah. fabricating what they put out there. We create a more superstitious Western society. And that... I think it's really interesting, and whilst we're not anywhere close to that, but you start pushing things in the same direction that led to the Salem witch trials, where mm. people are, you know, um, willing to point the finger and they're scared, they're terrified, and you know, it it, it almost starts heading pe- pushing back. Are you trying to say we're going to be burnt at the stake, Brett? Oh, some of us are quicker than others, Bill. Because we used a Ouija board after, you know, Ouija terror take hits its peak. Some will be burned, some will be doing the burning. (laughs) Which side are you on, Brett? (laughs) The most profitable one. (laughs) That's to do the burning, obviously. Well, okay, so so that's super. So, but if this is really some supernatural or some demented human being that's doing this, I guess probably best not messing with such things and get the hell out of there because you've really well okay you're on, you've just gone out you've purchased a house for 1.3 million dollars it's an it's a creepy looking old um, American looking home we'll just add that in because this is it looks like the Amityville house slightly and, and you're getting these letters sent to you you and your family not just mm-hmm. you got wife you've got kids etc what, what are you guys going to do you guys have children i don't know i'm not in that position so i, I don't know what, what the empathy towards them in that situation whether that changes your decision you know what? It, 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 to me but, it won't change the decision until i saw that there's a real and specific threat first of all i would make sure there is a solid surveillance around the house 24 7 make sure anything or anyone that is watching in big quotes uh, the property I'd want to be able to know about it. So it's not just looking at the property, but looking outside from the property, looking at all angles to see if I can find something. I'm not sure if the article mentions it, but does it mention if the letters were posted or hand-delivered? Because if they were hand-delivered, it'd be pretty fucking easy to set up a TV or cameras and yep. catch them out. And so. but posted, you'd still be able to track down by po- the postal marks. You'd be able to work out from suburbs. You'd be able, There'd be a way to surveil that and find out, you know, who is behind it. Um, and I'd be, if, they, if there was any way of doing so, I'd be trying to establish a line of contact back with whoever was doing that. So if, they, if things were being hand-delivered, but in a way that was just not able to work out who it was, mm. I'd, I'd love to be sending letters back and yeah. saying, establishing a line of communication. Well, they got the first letter within five days of closing the sale. So I don't know how public things are over there, but typically if you're doing a house sale, it's not usually common knowledge when things are closed and stuff, is it? So is it possible I- someone with an inside knowledge. Maybe the land agent's looking to get another 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 um it's it is easy cut to, of the pie by selling it again. You know, <laughs> you, you know what? Usually it is easy to get information about who owns what property, when it was sold. Um, but if it's in the process If of it's selling. in the process, they usually that a lot of places will put it under contract ah. because that way they they don't want to take it off of websites, for example, because they don't want people to then you know if the contract falls through, finance doesn't come through, they don't want to have to then re-advertise it. They want people to still keep an interest in it, mm. so it's only right at that last moment, you know, and yeah. taking down, you know, seeing the sold sign go up on the board out the front. What if it was auctioned? If it was an auction, see, it could have oh, been could go. have been someone else bidding for the property. They've just missed out, and they've thought. I thought, fuck, that's twice, twice we've missed out yep. now. Oh, but then again, the previous owners were having the same issue. Yeah, that's why I said twice yeah. missed out. And there's a whole other aspect this we haven't touched on. The lawsuit. Are they in their right? Are they in the right to try to sue the previous owners for not disclosing such information if this stuff was actually going on? Well, what's the what's the deal? What's the laws? What's the well? That depends on the laws in that state in particular, <clears throat> uh, and if. 
you know, it depends on what, yeah, the disclosure It's not a violent be. crime. It's not a violent crime. So it's not you, a haunting. You know, it, obviously there's some grey area there that they're wanting to explore and it's going to just get before a judge and the judge will say, decide, to, you know, according to the laws, he interprets it as, yes, these people should have disclosed or not disclosed. Um, I would be surprised if it went, went through because the agent would most likely, or you would expect known about it as well mm-hmm. oh, you know what that's probably a stupid assumption if the agent knew about it if the agent knew if the agent knew about it they would be in potential a lot of shit mm. for not disclosing so as far as the lawsuit goes it's just a matter of seeing how it plays out you know as far as who's right or wrong I don't really care it's whatever <laughs> it comes down to is who's legally right <laughs> it's just an interesting thing this yeah. watcher fellow or lady Sending these crazy, threatening letters to the new owners of a rather expensive home. Questions. There's, there's, there's a lot of questions there. And I guess, look, if in a couple of weeks' time I do another search, right, we, we find out some more info that might take this conversation on its head, we'll follow it up once again. Well, that's a family who had uh, a watcher that they can't, that they don't really know who or what it is, but. But another another family, this uh, one in Wellington, New Zealand, turned out that a young child, three-year-old, was uh, calling out frequently to the parents that he was seeing a man with a light look in through his bedroom window. Now, like many parents, you hear a story like that in the middle of the night, you know, you don't see anything yourself and you go and check the room out. You probably think, oh, it's probably a child's imagination, right? Do you guys get weird stories? Oh, like for sure, all the time. Well... The parents, at this one stage, after one um, early morning scream from a child, decided to go outside to see if they could find any evidence of someone being in their yard. They did find footsteps and other things like that. So they d- installed an app on their Android phone, which basically was motion activated. They could just put, put it up somewhere, and if someone was going to be in their yard, it will turn on and start recording, much like a, one of those um, field cameras that hunters, etc., will use. And it does turn out that there was someone going into their backyard and was peering over the porch with a torch into their child's window. Whether to look at the child or what, they don't actually know. But when um, it was taken to the police, the police kind of recognised him as being in the area as having stolen some tools from up the road and for also looking for cigarette butts in people's backyards. That guy's lucky, lucky, very lucky that they went to the police. Mm. I know plenty of people... <clears throat> Yeah, that, that would have handled that a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have. So, so, so these parents obviously did. A, I don't know whether we caught right or wrong way, but they went to the police and let the law handle the situation. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is in this situation where a child at night is screaming out that something's happening that the parents in that first believe did turn out to be true. Does this make you have to start thinking more about what your own children in the house are saying when they're um, calling out for you guys about some of the things? Do you, do you guys take it serious each time or do you hear it for the 800th time go, this is crying wolf and then your child's eating? What, what's the goal? No, I, I, I take it Any time they yell something and I get, you have to take it seriously. The time you don't is the time more than likely it'll be something legitimate. So um, I guess... What, what I find, and I read it in the article, what I found really interesting about this is that the parents were lying in bed when, when the phone, or when it got activated, I think. And, yeah, they could watch it. They were watching it from their bedroom. So it was live. They saw the person rock up, walk up to the window. Why would you just lie there and contact the police? Why wouldn't... You know, there's that chunk. Well, they didn't know if, you know, in that split second, within that two, three minutes, they didn't know who, what, what that person outside was capable of. Mm. Was there potential then for that person to come inside, threaten the child, threaten the family? Well, and that's this situation where you needed to act first, I as, think. As far as I'm concerned, the, the threat was already there, that the kid was already traumatised by this oh, happening sure. before. And so... Um, yeah, it is surprising, but remembering that people with different dispositions will react to things differently. They may have just been in shock that, holy shit, this is something that's actually happening. Mm. And perhaps also with the, you know, the, 
I mean, them dis- disbelieving it to the level that they did to begin with, that might be a, a case of, uh, you know, watch so many paranormal things now that people just have an expectation, well, it's in their head, it's in their kid's yeah. head. Though, after, again, after seeing the footprints, though, you think they would be a very quick to react. Well, that's when they got that thing. app together. But, and... but then seeing when you, well, you've got the, you see footprints, you get the app, you see someone there, you think you'd be at it straight away. Yeah, but, oh, um, dude, I would have sat... I would have sat outside waiting. Do you know what? I can remember years ago. <clears throat> how old was I? I was 23, 24. And I was living in Melbourne and lying there one night and it sounded like the roller door lifted, um, like the garage door yeah. lifted up. You know, you lift up roller doors. And it was locked, so it sounded like that rattled. So, you know, of course I was a bit more alert. And then as I stood up to go to walk out of the bedroom and into the lounge, I looked out the, the front um, window and there was two guys in the front yard. And one of them walked up and tried the front door. Oh, shit. Right? So, and my wife was actually there as well. And I, I yelled out to her, call the police. And I grabbed the hammer and ran outside and ended up chasing these two guys down the street <laughs> with the hammer in my jocks. <laughs> see, see. But... It's that situation where if you lie there, you ring the police. Things change. Well, yeah, well yeah. from the time... Okay, so what? Let, let's say, and I'll use it as an example. Let's just say I didn't, I didn't do that. We decided to call the police. And then they took 15, 20 minutes. There's 15, 20 minutes there where those two guys could have gained access to the house. Mm. And you don't know what their intentions are or anything. Um, I had a kind of a similar situation many years ago. uh, I, you know, heard something out the front and went, you know, it was pitch black outside and I I looked out through the, the glass at the top of the front door and I could see someone shining a torchlight into my car. Mm. And then I go to start opening the door and I realize I'm fucking completely naked and I thought, fuck, how do I stop them breaking my window? So I just flicked the front porch light on and off about five, six times just so they realise, shit, some, you know, someone's... And they, were, they automatically just pissed off. And what they had was uh, one person would be in a car, one person would go down the walk ahead of the car with a screwdriver, break into cars, grab stuff, car drive up, they dump stuff in, go down to the next yeah, one. Okay. And so I quickly I got, got some clothes on, got got a couple of bats and stuff, jumped in my car, went and tried and find this car and found it uh, in the next court because they'd just gone around there. And then they just sped up like they were going to have a head-on for a moment, so it ended up really aggressive. And then, yeah, they they got away then. Yeah. But um, uh, but then on a di- in a different note, over, uh, my wife and she lived back in America before I, before I met her. She had someone break into her house one day and, you know, she saw the window open up. She saw this leg pull, get in. She sees this guy's head come through <laughs> and then he looks up and he sees this forty-four Magnum pointing at him and then he decides, I might just reverse what I'm doing. And he puts <laughs> his head back out Then the leg goes back out. The window closes back <laughs> down walks and he walks off. <laughs> <laughs> Holy hell. That reminded me of us, like, when I was 17, 18, I was asleep in bed, and I heard a noise at my, at the window, and this was at my parents' house, I think I was about 16, and I hear this noise, open my eyes, same sort of thing, see this leg come through the window, <laughs> see this body come through the window, and then they turn to face me, and they start walking towards me, and I just jumped up with my fist. And it ended up being a friend of mine. <laughs> and I didn't hit him, but I was just like, I just, yeah, it was pretty intense. It was, it was weird. You guys, you guys have lived rich and full lives of people trying to break into your homes. But I was instantly like, remember when we were moving into your the house you're currently living in? And yeah. Between each load, like someone looked like someone had gone really through weird. his house. Yeah, that was like, weird. Yeah, that was weird. That was. So what for the listeners? Just rented this house. Walked in, unpacked, took a, a trailer load to the house, unpacked that, went back, loaded up the trailer again, came back to the new place and we'd walk in and the sliding door would be open or so we'd lock the sliding door, we'd go back, 
come back 20 minutes later and it'll be open again. So it only happened twice. But, mm. but and me being me, I'm of course quite, yeah. it, do you think it's a ghost? And you're no. like, no, it's probably just someone breaking in and going through, see what new stuff you neighbours saying, what are, these, what are these new fuckers moving in? Yeah. I like, you know, have anything worth checking out. But, well, you know what, it's, you know, as a different aside, uh, in uh, the house that I'm currently in, it's the adults that will have the experiences as a general rule. Sometimes they are shared by the kids, but the kids have never thought of things as being in a paranormal sense and tend to be uh, putting a rational, or what they believe is a rational explanation. Okay. Have you or your wife been in certain parts of the house, had something happen in the house and you've called out, so maybe your wife's seen something in the house and called out and you've come in and there's nothing nothing going on? And made you think, you know, is this like the child's imagination, you know, not that your wife's a child, but, you know, is it the same thing? Someone seems something, might just be imagination, but then later on you discover there was something real going on, there was something happening. Um, when most of the... Well, it's very rare that anything would happen that's going to be visual. Um, it's almost always uh, sounds, um, you know, hearing other people... Uh, laughing in the house, ch- other children laughing in particular. Um, my wife and I were experienced even when all the kids would be at school during the day, then maybe later that night one of the other kids would hear it, um, walking around in the top landing. So, you know, the kids are in bed and, uh, you know, I remember I, w- well, I wasn't there, but uh, my wife and one of the kids could, uh, you know, hear someone walking around in the the top landing and uh, you know the, the, their first instinct was that well there's someone in the house you know, that, that it was a solid footsteps mm. but it was only when my wife went and checked that no, there was no one there and I think that it was, it was that night that um, then she went and checked on uh, uh, on my stepdaughter and my stepdaughter was sort of semi-awake and said uh, something like a uh, they're coming, you have to stop them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, th- these are some of the sort of things that we would have experiences of. Now, she doesn't, you know, yeah. she doesn't remember saying any of that, of course. And um, So, yeah, some interesting things. Uh, but but you, know that, like, you know that there's not a flesh and blood person with a light yeah, looking in the windows of cigarette butts in your house, <laughs> like in this situation. Pretty, pretty damn sure. Um, yeah, there's there's no one else there, and there are there are lots of experiences like that that will be primarily shared <coughs> by the adults, like my wife and myself. But sometimes, you know, the kids will hear it too. You know, banging on doors, hear someone knocking at the front door when there's no one there. You know, uh, we've seen and heard the front door handle being turned, but there wasn't anyone there. And that was after seeing the side gate slam shut violently, like through the window. We both saw it, and it was a, not not a wind. There was no wind, and it was slammed. Or actually, it opened first. It was like open, opened up, and then slammed shut really, really violently. Mm. And then, uh, probably twenty seconds later, then the front door handle starts moving, and there was no one there at all. <laughs> so, you know, that's some of those experiences. It's, it's odd when you have the uh, adults having the experiences more than the kids. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... Yeah. The world is not a certain place. If your child's at home in bed calling out they're seeing someone in the house, it might be their imagination, it might be ghosts, or it might be an actual person. You know what, that's... You, if, if your kid's doing that, you go and you need to give them support anyway. You, know, mm. you want to help them psychologically as they grow up and make them feel safe and secure. So it doesn't, whether it's a, if there's a real threat there, you go and deal with it. If there's no real threat, you need to reassure them and make sure they realize there's no real threat. Yeah. And just like Spill said, you, you deal with it regardless, you know, you never disp- display and say, no, it, uh, it doesn't mean anything. And say, you know, stop being an idiot or anything like that. It's a, as simple as, you know, you, you deal with it, make sure they feel safe and secure. Yeah. Is there a way to determine it is just the child's imagination? Is there ever a way without... 
because he can't prove that like it can't. It's not a ghost, and it's not this. Like, can you prove that's just the child's imagination? Or well, do you know what you can? What you can do is actually turn this into a positive, um, and for you know, the kid hears something out the back. They're sure that there's some ghost or monster out there. Not only can you say, okay, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to investigate this now. Make sure they feel safe and with you, maybe with both parents. You get some torches and you go out there and explore together. And so they get them to be curious about things, get them to be curious. Hey, if there's a, I hear some weird sound out there and it's a, a, you know, sounds like a monster. Well, you know, what chances are it's not? And I learned as a kid to find, you know, go and find what that, the source of that is. Build their curiosity, um, turn it into something positive. Where you know what you, you can do that rather than let them stay stay afraid and just saying, well, there's no need to be afraid. Get them to be teach them to be brave and check out the curiosities when when appropriate, obviously. Yeah, I've I've said all I've had to say. That, that's an interesting notion. The next time your child gets scared, investigate in, rather than just. Telling them, no, it's nothing, investigate it and teach them what could be causing, Yeah. at least in their terms. But then you run the risk of two weeks later, they're doing Ouija boards under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, again, it's about just being, being sensible, obviously. You know, okay, if they say there's a monster under the bed, rather than just go, no, there's not. Check with them, get them to be, teach them to be curious about it. You know, responsible and obviously, you know, oh, man outside. You know, and teach them to go out and look for the man themselves. That's a little bit different, but you, you can just build them up to have some confidence, mm. yeah, in it, confidence and skepticism. It's funny as a as a parent, you have to see it nodding there. Spills just like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, you need to, and and I guess and. I was going to say it before, but Brett touched on it. You need to ensure, though, that I think you have to set those boundaries because you don't want them going outside looking for that, yeah. for the man, mm. you know. Um, but, and, and purely for the fact that if there really is someone there, well, um, but everything Brett said, yeah, completely agree with. Man, way too much responsibility for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd be good at this bad caper. Well, that's pretty much it for the show tonight. Um, yeah, look, Spills is rustling around with his did pile of mentos. No one actually guessed on the dot last time. We did have someone get close who was at the last per the person that won last week. But unfortunately, it's only if you get it on the dot. Someone did ask a question on the inbox: Is this competition sponsored by Mentos? No, it's no, not. it's not. <laughs> Should we even be mentioning Mentos then, or should we just go... We, we, from now on, it's the Fresh Maker Mints. Mint we'll competition. <laughs> How many mints? How many mints? So, guys, you may have heard Spills nibbling on mints during the show. Maybe not. I will tell you, it's a smaller than usual pile. He's counting them up now. If you guess it on the dot... Do you want to tell them last week? How many? Oh, yeah, 24. 24, guys. <laughs> Good effort. And if you guess it right on the dot, and remember, you can only post your guess at the Paranormal Guide slash podcast, and that'll be on the episode eight for this one. If you get it on the dot, we'll send you out one of those, as well as something else. We never say what it is. It's usually a complete crapshoot. Last time I sent out a rather interesting book about communicating with the dead, with the mentor. So if you get it on the dot, you could be in for the running. Did you agree or disagree with anything that we said tonight on the show? Absolutely. Leave it in the comments. Once again, the best place to do that is where you find the podcast at theparanormalguide.com. If you have any questions for us, leave them. We'll choose whether we'll answer them or not. We can't answer them all. just depends if we think your question is going to be good for the show. Anything you guys want to chuck in before we sign off? No. All good? You're all good? Yeah, all good. Absolutely all good. Actually, no, there is one thing. Look, if you guys happen to be on No an Undertaker or maybe someone in, like in the police or so, maybe a security guard that's had some interesting run-ins with the paranormal in their time serving the community and they would like to talk on the podcast about their experiences, 
please get them to get in contact with us. We'll see about getting them on. So I reckon that could be a really interesting and conversation. And they, they can be anonymous as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give you a fake name. Um, we probably can't. Well, we might be able to mark. No, we can't mask your voice. That'd be too much work. Call but, them the Watcher. <laughs> the Watcher. <laughs> but yeah, if you know anyone, and look, if anyone wants to come on and talk about their experiences, send me an inbox. And if I think it's worthy to come on the show... By all means, we'll bring you on. We just won't fly you into state. Oh, hell no. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of tired. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting discussion on finding dead bodies in haunted places. The Watcher, the man with the light looking for cigarette butts outside a child's window. Ghost children. Ghost children. It, it's really, it's an interesting grab bag of topics each and every week. So hopefully you'll listen to us again next time we broadcast out of your speakers. My name's Ashley Hall. Next time. Goodbye. Adios. Muchachos. <laughs> I'll be back. Hasta luego, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>